so there's something that we do in the church that when we agree with something we say amen and um, I'm not sure where you are this morning but I find myself a little caught up with the Lord today and uh, I just want to say amen to all that worship amen praise God for it well I didn't release the kids to blast yet and you guys are thinking now you've forgotten your job again but I haven't I wanted to share something with you that came to us this week and I don't know are the Collinsbergs here this morning I don't see him. All right. Oh, look. Right. Way in the back. Well, see, you lucked out. You came in late because I was going to make you come up here and talk. Now you're off the hook, Shannon. But I wanted to share something with you. You know, sometimes in church, we'll do something, and we just kind of, it's done and over with, and we just move on. That's how I feel anyway. We're, we're just moving on all the time. And Shannon wrote me an email this Thursday, this week. And she mentioned this thing, and she said, you know, I, I found this funny connection at work um, with this, this person who's going overseas uh, with this Operation uh, Samaritan's Purse thing called Operation Christmas Child. Wasn't that what we did at Christmas? And, and of course, that's what I said. Yeah, that's what we did at Christmas. And so I just want to take a minute this morning before we release the blast kids, because you know, you kids were part of this, right? Do you remember doing this? Do you remember? Yeah? Do you guys remember doing it? You got those little shoe boxes and you filled them up with presents and you wrapped them up and then we took them and it was a big kind of fiasco trying to get them where they needed to go and all that stuff. Well, this was really cool, and I'm going to read Shannon. It's okay if I read this. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of read what she wrote because I thought it was so spot on. It's just a little email she sent me. It says, uh, it says Bill, I work for a stock brokerage firm, and um, one of our branch, I supervise our branch office managers. Today I received some correspondence for approval from one of my managers in, Nor in North Carolina. He and his wife are going on a week-long trip to Kev, Ukraine, with a Samaritan Purse shoebox ministry. I believe this is the same program we donated to along the Christmas holidays, right? Anyway, he sent me some photos from their trip last year, visiting orphanages, orphanages near Chernobyl. And I thought I'd share them with you, as it really warmed my heart to see the smiles in children's faces. And so I wanted to show you these kind of pictures. And to me, you know, it just blows you away that, you know, again, we did this tangibly. We went to Walmart and to our local stores, and, and we put these things in boxes and, and kind of just sent our $7 check and forgot about it. But what blew me away was that as we look at these photos, like all these kids opening gifts. Now this is last year. And then there's a little girl here opening, uh, opening a gift as well. I want to read the rest of this note. Um, he said these children have really warmed his heart and he's looking so forward to visiting with them again this year. Enjoy and feel free to share the photos. And so I thought, hey, I'll do that. I'll share the photos. But it's, it's so cool to me that, that we have that kind of impact by doing our little thing. And what's going to happen now, and I'm not sure where our boxes went. We don't know where they went, but kids all over the place were, are going to open these and experience a gift from God that just, all it says is that God loves you. And it didn't, it wasn't that much of an effort for us to really say that to them. It just took a little bit of our time and a little bit of our money, and uh, we got to kind of reach out across the world and just say, we love you. And the last thing I want to show you is this picture here of this a little, little girl, and um, now, is this, the, is this the guy who's going, Shannon? Yeah, that's the guy who's going. He's holding this little girl here. And it says, um, the last picture is of a little girl who was born without any eyes. Her name is Nadia, and the name means hope. And so, I just, I was just so, again, caught off guard by this, because we're on the other stuff. Summer's coming, you know, Christmas is over. And wow, it's just so cool to see God continuing to impact the world um, and allowing us to be a little part of it. And so what I want to do this morning in our, in our service as we kind of continue in worship is I wanted to actually just kind of pray over this man and his wife as they travel. 
and, and all those who are going to go, almost forgotten by us now, and they're going to go and get to kind of reap the harvest of what we have sown. That's so cool to be part of that. So if you would join me in, in prayer this morning, I would love it. Father, this morning we come before you, and the truth of the matter is that we are not prepared to realize the ways that you're working in the world. That we get so caught up in our little life, in our little bubble, in our little circumstances, to get a chance to realize again that when you're calling us to these small acts of faithfulness, you're doing great big work all over the world. And we pray uh, today specifically for this couple who's going to travel again this year to show the love of Christ to kids who maybe never know it any other way. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be present with them, that they would be worthy ambassadors of the name of Jesus. That's a prayer we have for ourselves too, Lord. That when we show up to engage in a conversation, we would be a worthy representative of the great love you have showered on us. We pray that for them as well. We pray for every child who's going to open one of those gifts. We pray that they would know that it's just not stuff in a box, but it's a tangible sign of a God who has not forgotten. We just give you praise and glory that we are a people that you've not forgotten. And we pray a blessing upon this whole ministry and all those who participate. We give you praise and glory for the joy that they'll have doing this work in your name. And Father, today as we come into your house to worship you, we confess that we are in awe of you. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw our hearts and minds towards you with your spirit. That in this time of worship, you would open your word to us and that we would have ears to hear it and eyes to see it, and probably most importantly, Lord, feet and hands to put it into practice. So Lord, today, have your way with our souls. Guide us into your way. We give you praise and glory in your Son's holy and righteous name. Amen. Amen. So kids, thanks for all the shoe boxes you did at Christmas, and Blast Workers, thanks for what you've done. By the way, one more thing before we kind of get into the Word today. Um, Chris asked me to make sure that you know that Mike made that, that uh, request for assistance on the BLAST team on what, Tuesday was that, or Wednesday? And someone's already stepped up to fill that need. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> right. But I will also say, you're still welcome to join the team if you want, okay? And if you want to serve, there's going to be sign-ups that are happening, but that, uh, so still talk to Chris or Christy Lay if you want to sign up to serve. But um, praise God for that. So those who have signed up today to work can go with the kids right now and, and uh, head back for the BLAST program this morning. While they're making their way out, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one this morning, there should be one uh, near you in, in the chairs. And we're, we're studying the book of 1 John. So if you wanted to grab that and flip it open, if it's one of our Bibles in the chairs, it's going to be page 844. It's 844 if you use one of ours. And it's just important to have the word open. You know, if you want to read it, if you want to just, I mean, just keep your finger there. If you don't want to look at it the whole time, you don't have to, but it's always good. One other kind of uh, housekeeping uh, tip right now or, or point. If you need to get up and get something during service, we're not going to be offended at all. So if you need to get coffee or grab a donut or go to the bathroom, do what you got to do. The most important thing is being honest before God with where you are in your heart. Being able to set before the Holy God, not before us here at Family Bible Church, but before God himself, that's what we do here this morning. We kind of undress before him and we trust him with everything. And so I want you to be comfortable where you are. 
to be able to hear what he's saying to you today. I'm doing the same thing in my own heart. So it's on page 844, and I want to kind of bring you guys up to speed if you've not been with us. Uh, we're, we're looking at this, this book of 1 John. I almost said gospel, but it's not a gospel in that the four gospels that were written. And, and, uh, but this book is really critical uh, to us as believers in Jesus because it sets the groundwork for what life in Jesus looks like, right? If you stand outside of the, the faith of Christianity, if you stand outside the church of Jesus Christ and you look in, one of the most common things that we hear and that I used to say myself is it's hypocritical. They're hypocrites. They don't practice what they preach. And, and the, the, the letter of John writes to the churches is an effort to say that this is how you know you are a follower of Jesus. This is how you know that you belong to the one that we say is king of King. King of kings and Lord of lords, like we sang this morning. And um, we've been talking about that for the few, for, first, um, for a few weeks we're going to talk about this together. I want to lay out one, one more time, and I don't know how many more times I'll do this, but I want you to know that there's a threefold purpose to this letter written to the churches. And I only say that because the author made it a point to say in the book, this is the reason I'm writing to you. And he wrote for three main reasons. He wrote first that our joy may be filled. Our joy may be full to the top. And that meant his joy and those of us who are hearing the word from him. That our joy would be filled completely to the top. Um, the second reason that he wrote the letter was that we might not continue in sin. And I know that sin is one of those words that gets a lot of, you know, kind of groans. Like, oh boy, you're going you're to talk about sin. But he writes this letter because it's not normative behavior for a follower of Jesus Christ to continue in sin. Now, I want to be clear to say, and we're going to talk about it today, we're not perfect. And God knows that we're not perfect. If, if perfection were required, the only person getting to know God would be Jesus himself. No one else qualifies. Right? But we aren't permissed, as believers in Jesus, we don't, our lives should not reflect a life of continual negligent sin. Just going on as if we don't know the one who is saving us. So that's the second reason he wrote the book. The third reason is this. That we might know what we have in Jesus. And one of the things that John makes a point to say is that you might know you have life forever. Life forever. I mean, if you've got a hard time planning your future for the next few years, think about the life forever you're going to have with or without Jesus. And so John writes this letter and he says, you have eternal life in Jesus if you know him as your Savior. So that's what we were kind of talking. Now last week I want to hit these three things and we're going to jump in because it's going to tie into the opening of the text today. But there were three things that we, we could discern if we are in relationship with the Father in heaven. So John kind of starts there. He says, okay, before we talk about Jesus, let's talk about God himself. The God who made you, who formed you, who knows you, and, and, and what he is doing in your life. And, and the three things we talked about last week was this need that we have as believers to walk in the light. You know, to walk in that place in our lives that we dare to be exposed to the truth. We were talking before service today about the, the fact that we want to be without lie, without deceit, and that means a whole bunch of stuff. And that actually means in some ways that if someone's going to call us hypocrites, we're probably the first ones that are going to point the finger at ourselves. Because we know it when we're being deceitful. We know it when we're putting on. We know it when we're faking it. And it's so irritating because we don't want to live like that. We want to live in the light of Jesus. And that's what we talked about last week. 
going along with living in the light is this need that we have to confess our sinfulness. Now, this might sound contradictory. A life filled with God, but a life where you confess your full sinfulness. But this is the gospel of Jesus that we can't get there without him. There's no way. And, you know, I am overwhelmed with God's presence. And I know some of you are too. You're overwhelmed when you worship because you remember, you know, you've not forgotten how far God has brought you from your lostness, from your hopelessness. But it doesn't mean that we've made it. And so we confess every sin. We know it, we feel it, and we confess it. And the third thing, and we're going to start today, is we have to know Jesus. And this doesn't mean that we talked about not know Jesus like that kind of cheap, easy know Jesus. It means you have to really know Jesus. It means you have to really ask hard questions about how you're living and how you are and do you see him in your life. And if you don't, the word said last week, you're only deceiving yourselves if you run around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. There's no salvation in being a Christian if you don't know Jesus. And so a Christian and a Christian walk is really a result of a relationship and it's not about striving or making efforts to perform and achieve. And boy, that's a hard place to live your life. But it's a great place to live with freedom, to be real. So this is we're going to pick up this week. And I'm going to actually go ahead and I'm going to show you. We're going to start in, um, I'm going to start here. Let's see if we'll get this next one. We're going to be, uh, yeah, okay, we'll do that then. So we're going to be looking at John 2, 2, uh, 2, 3 through, or 1 John 2, 3 through 6. It's just a few verses of scripture. And so I want to, I want to read this with you today. This is what it says. It says, we know, by the way, I'm going to start actually in 2, because I just want you to hear this again. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. There's a second purpose of the letter we talked about last week. But if anyone sins, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then John says these two critical things you have to know and understand about Jesus and accept and believe about Jesus to understand how this works, being a believer, following Jesus. He says that he is the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. That's why we can confess it without guilt. We can confess it because it's forgiven. And the second thing he says is that this same Jesus who died for your sins is right now pleading for you with the Father in heaven. That's crazy to me. And I think I could probably just dwell there forever in this idea that Jesus himself, God made flesh, who paid for my sins, is right now praying, pleading, and, and covering the sins of us who he, he is redeeming. That is an unbelievable truth that, that just shapes everything that we are as followers in Jesus. So John says, it's a big deal to know that you know Jesus. We talked about that last week. He says, you need to know Jesus because without him, there's no forgiveness. You're lost and you have no hope. And you hear Christians talking about that a lot. You know, just know Jesus. Like, it's easy. But it's a relationship that requires effort and work. I want to read with you now in verse 3 what the word says. John says, so here's how you know that you have come to know him if we obey his commands. Now the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is made truly complete in him. 
And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Those three little verses seem so easy. But one of the things that the question asks, uh, the text asks us today, is how do you know that you know? How do you know that you know Jesus? You know, there's a really scary part of the Bible where it says, there will be many on that day of judgment, many on the day that, that Jesus will come as the reigning king, Lord of lords, host, I mean, most high God, and he will show up. And, and when he does, there's going to be an accounting. And we all get that. You know, if you've been around Christians for a while, you'll have a lot of them who will say, like, yeah, I'm, I got my ticket punched, and you need to punch yours too, or there's no way you're going to be saved, right? There's a verse in Scripture that Jesus spoke himself, where he said, there will be many on that day that will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do great works in your name? Did we not do miracles and have signs and wonders? And he's going to say to them, I never knew you. Now, I don't know how that helps you with your journey with Jesus, but it kind of gives me some pause. Because I don't want to be one who's done mighty works in his name, but never knew him. That, in fact, is hypocrisy. That, in fact, is, is this, this falling, this not getting it right. And so John's going to talk today. He's going to answer this question. I went to a, a conference one time, and there was this pastor preaching. I was talking this morning before service. I love that, you know, My King, My King video we showed this morning. I love a preacher, right? And not because, maybe it's because I'm a preacher, but I love somebody else preaching. If you want to preach, come talk to me. I'd love to hear you preach. I love preaching the Word. It, it, it just fires me up. And I had this... I was at this conference, this pastor's conference, and this pastor took the stage, and then they're walking around, and they said, do you know Jesus today? And I said, yeah, I know, I know Jesus today. Do you know Jesus today? I said, yeah, man, I know Jesus today. I get... Do you know that you know Jesus? Do you know that you know that you know? And they started to go on and on, and the more knows, I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I started to think, like, I don't think I know him like you do. Jesus. Do you know that you know Jesus? And that's the question that the text asks us today. Look at it in verse 3. John writes and he says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. That's what it says right there. We know we've come to know him if we obey his commands. That means that, that these things that Jesus said you ought to do, you ought to do. Now, Sometimes, what, what are the greatest commandments? What would we say they are? Anybody have any ideas? Yeah, love God, love people. We, we put it on our stuff. Love God, love people, right? And, and what's interesting about that command, and that's what I always think of too, is it's actually a sum of all the Old Testament law. That's what Jesus says about it. He says, how would you state the law? And he says, love the Lord your God and love your brother as yourself. And Jesus said, that's true. You have spoken well, Right? He confirms that. But you know, there's a lot of other commands that Jesus gives in, in Scripture. We talked about one of them a few weeks ago. It's Matthew 28, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. For that reason, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have shown you. And surely I am with you all the days to the very end of all eternity. That's what Jesus said. That's a command. And there's many other times in Scripture where he tells the disciples to go and, and to do and, and to serve, to go out two by two. He sends his people out. 
And John here says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands, right? Now look at what it says in verse 4. If a man says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, he is a liar and the truth's not in him. And I want to point out something about this, and I'm, it mimics almost exactly, you remember with walking in the light last week? Look at verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with God, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and don't have the truth. It's like a parallel verse. So he's already talked about if you say you walk in the light with God, but you don't, you, what does it say? But we walk in darkness, we lie and don't live in the truth. And the same is true here. If we claim to know Jesus, but we don't do what he commands, we're liars. That's pretty heavy stuff, right? And I, you start to feel like, maybe I don't know how you feel, I start to feel like I got to get out the list of do's and don'ts. What did Jesus say? Do this, don't do that, you know, and start to make a new list, a new law. But read on with me, because I want, I want you to hear what the word says. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Right? So if we don't obey, right, what's it say? If we don't obey, we are lying. But if we do obey, God's love is made complete in him. It's an interesting thought. So it's like one of those, and look at verse 7 up above, by the way, chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Again, it's a parallel verse. So he says, you know, if you walk in the light, and you are, if you claim you're in the light, you walk in darkness, you're lying. But if you walk in the light, Jesus is purifying you. If you claim you know Jesus, but you don't obey his commands, you're lying. But if you obey his commands, he, he is made perfect. His love is made complete in him. God's love is made complete in him. So we have this thing that we can see. So how do we know that we know? How do we know that we know? Well, the first thing we can say from the text here, oh, there's what I was looking for earlier. Thank you. All right. Is you obey his commands. That's how you know that you know. If you do what Jesus said you ought to do if you're following him. Right? That's what the word says this morning. If you obey what Jesus says, then you know you are being made complete in him. Right? In other words, and I would say that, it means that if we are obeying Jesus' commands, we are in relationship with the Father and with Jesus. It's an affirmation of an ongoing relationship that we have. If we're being steadily conformed and transformed to be more like him, more like Jesus, in our daily lives. And this is the kick, right? Because no, the Sunday stuff doesn't cut it. And I'm not, no one's out with you in your real life. And so this becomes a place where only you can really tell. This ain't about guilt. You better start acting like Jesus or you're going to go to hell. That's not what it says. It says if you know Jesus, you'll act like Jesus. That's what it says. And you know who the judge of that is? You know, besides Jesus himself? It's you. You see your life. You know how you live. I don't. Right? We can pretend all day with each other. The truth is not in us if we do that. And so we can know that we have come to know. We can know that we know Jesus if we obey what he commanded in our lives. If our lives are looking like Jesus. Now, if you don't believe me, read on with me. Because this, this is the last verse we have today, right? 
It says this, this is how we know that we are in him, in Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to be in him must walk as Jesus did. Read it with me. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You see, the words matter. We can make this text say whatever we want. The words really matter. As a matter of fact, a, a way we could really say it, uh, I'm going to throw a little Greek out today. Peripateo, right? And I only say this because it's one of my favorite words, peripateo. It's kind of fun to say it. You want to say it this morning? Yeah, some of you want to say it. The rest of you don't. <laughs> Quitters. All right. Peripateo, right? Peripateo. Now, what's cool about it is there's two words. It means para, around, and pateo, like pattering of your feet. You know, like Brandon before long, little pitter-patter. Peripateo, it means, it means to, to walk around. So if we read the verse again, it says, this is how that you know you're in Jesus if you start to walk around like Jesus. That's literally what it says. Jesus walked around a certain way. He walked around certain places. He worked, walked around certain people. And it says, you know you're in him, in Jesus, if you begin to walk like Jesus did. Walking around like Jesus did. It's kind of a, a funny thing that um, if you hang out with people long enough, you start to look like each other. Do you know that's true? You know, I got news for all the, 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 the rebellion, because I went through it. I was telling somebody this morning, I had a mullet in the 80s, and it's true. I did have a mullet in the 80s. It was cool then. You're laughing now, but guess what? What you're doing now is going to look goofy in a few years. I'm just letting you know. And, and the truth is that we thought we were so different, man. We're like, nobody's like us. But the truth is, we were walking around like our friends. That's what we did. I didn't grow a mullet because I thought a mullet would be cool. I didn't have the guts for that kind of stuff, right? But my friends started growing mullets. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then somebody else said, that's cool. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to grow mine. And we all started growing together. And we all started to develop together. Do you know what I'm talking about? Next thing you know, you show up at a party, and there's a bunch of people in the room, and you look around, and guess what? You can tell who your friends are and who aren't your friends by how they're dressed, by how they look. And you kind of clump together. These, this is like us, right? You start to walk around like each other. We start to walk around. Now, why am I telling you all this stuff? Because it's no different with Jesus. Because it's about a relationship with him. It's not about trying to pretend or be a poser or act. God says that's an offense to him. Don't pretend. What he says is this. If you're hanging out with my son, Jesus, you're going to start to look like him. If you hang out with Jesus long enough, you're going to start to act like him. And this is a gift from God. It's not by our striving or our efforts. It's the gift of salvation in our lives. It's a gift that assures us on that day, when we stand before him, we'll look like him. How cool is that? You're not going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do great works in your name? We're going to say, hey, I'm so glad to see you. I've been waiting for this moment. 
You see, look at what the word says in verse 3. It says, how do you know that you have come to know? You see, that's a little different question, isn't it? It's not, how do you know that you know, which is what that preacher was asking me that day. But how do you know that you have come to know him? More precisely, the text could read like this. How do you know right now in your life, wherever you are, that you have come to know him? The words are different there. One is current, present, in the moment, where you are right now in your life, wherever it is. You want to know if you know Jesus, it's a big deal because it's going to matter forever. Look at your life. How do you know that you have come to know him? The second part of that sentence is a statement of fact. It's not how do you know that, you're, that you might be, you know, um, what, on the way. It's, it's a fact. The Greek here, and I'm not going to get into it except to say it's perfect tense. That means it's a done deal. How do you know now that you have come to know him in the past and you will know him in the future for all time and for all eternity? He is known by you. How do you know that? That's what he's talking about. I'll tell you what it just said to us. We know it if we do what he says and if we look like Jesus does. It's a past uh, expression, a past tense expression that speaks to our future perfection about where we are right now. Because what we need this for, brothers and sisters, I got news for you why we need this, is because you know and I know that there are still hypocritical places of our lives. That we aren't yet perfect. But the word says that if you look at your life and you can see in it the reflections of Jesus' life, you know that you've come to know him. And that's good news. So the question that we have to ask is, how, do our, how does our life look compared to Jesus' life? How does our life right now, for real, look compared to Jesus' That becomes the, the, the fundamental question for every believer. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. If you want to ask this question for your life, do you know Jesus? You have to ask that question, how does my life look compared to his? We all have to ask it. And we can all see the answer. It's not necessarily where you are right now, but rather where you're headed right? We talked before how hard it is to explain to someone how far Jesus has brought you in your life. Guess why? Part of the reason is because that's for you. Whenever you're singing a song about how far Jesus has brought you, about how he has saved you, and you feel like a bit of an idiot, I don't know if you do sometimes, I just get so caught up and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. You know why? Because he remembers and you remember how far you've come in him and you can't help but respond in worship. That's the normal response of God in your life. It's worship. And so that's what we do. We just pour it out. It just comes out of us because of something that he has done in our lives already. So the question that we ask is, is your life looking more or less like his these days? The question I ask myself, and not because I'm a pastor, I have to ask myself, is my life looking more or less like what I find Jesus' life looking like. And that's cause for celebration or cause for repentance. Or maybe a little bit of both. Well, I wanted to show you something this morning. Uh, th there was this, 
interview I saw, and I just I want to share it with you. So so check this out. I'm not afraid of being dead, but I am afraid of getting dead. One doctor's visit changed Ed Dobson's life forever. I'm being told I have two to five years to live, most of it in the disabled condition. His only prescription? To walk, talk, and live like Jesus for one year. Instead of getting up every morning and wondering which muscle doesn't work that worked yesterday. I would get up every morning focused on trying to live like Jesus. Living with Lou Gehrig's disease meant this former pastor would lose his religion to find a relationship. What I was trying to do for the first time was try to eliminate all of the religious theological denominational constraints and go back to what Jesus said and see if it's possible to follow that. Would this new way of life allow him to finally embrace his Savior? I'm not asking God to heal me. I'm throwing myself on the mercy of God. As the year went on, you know, we saw the beard get longer and we hear these funny stories. I ate kosher which is a pain in the neck. I observed the Sabbath, which is a pain in the neck. But it was also very serious. And we began to see the people that he was influencing as a result of this, this journey he was on. I didn't know everything it would entail, so I couldn't question everything. As I read the Gospels, I decided maybe I should try to obey them. There were times when I oh my goodness, where is this gonna take him? mentally and spiritually. But can anyone truly follow Jesus' steps? He's a man who's trying to remain true to the scriptures and true to the attitudes of Jesus. And I don't know how you can do better than that, regardless of what you do. And after all, he was God, so he had a slight advantage. Discover the impact of a year of living like Jesus. I found it to be really powerful. I felt at times like I was caught up in the story, that I was really standing there listening to Jesus. And what it takes to really find faith. I don't think I really care what they think about me. Ultimately what matters is what they think about Jesus. And if in this crazy wild experiment someone picks up the Bible and thinks, I ought to read the Gospels. To me, that will be the redeeming factor. Now, here's something crazy about that guy right there. Oh, he wrote a book about it, and I'm not here to promote his book, but he, he spent his whole life as a pastor. His whole life as a pastor before he asked that question what would it really look like to live like Jesus so today I'm going to ask the band to come back up and we're going to, we're going to close we always do in worship but I want to just invite you wherever you are to ask that question yourself now 
I will say to you that if you don't know Jesus, this isn't about you manifesting this in your life. And I would say if you do know Jesus, this is not about you manifesting this in your life. It's about are we willing to look at our lives really and say we're getting more like him, we're becoming more like him, or do we not see that in our lives? The reason this matters so much is because we really believe there's no salvation apart from him and it's not about me. It'll be, it'll be your deal. You'll make your decision on this. You will. And, uh, and that'll be for good or for bad. So if you don't know Jesus, uh, you used to have, all you have to do is say, man, I will start following you. We'll start, I, I want that. I want to know what that looks like. I want to receive that. Not from us. We don't have the right to give it away. From him, he's here. It's not us. And in our lives, we can just turn in that moment. It's called repentance and just say, have your way. Do your will. I can't figure this out without you. And if that's you today, that's what you, you can pray. It's like that. God will have his way in your heart, in your life. Anyways, happened to some of, some of us. So if you want to do that, I'll invite you to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lead us in some prayer right now, and then we can respond and worship as you feel inclined today. Father, this morning we came and we opened your word, and we dared to listen and dared to believe, and you spoke. You are so good. You are so loving. And I pray, Lord, today for the hearts that may not know you, the ones that are just struggling to even grab on just to get a fingernail just to get some hope Lord today I know you're bringing it and for those of us who've walked and maybe we've gotten just kind of callous and hard and we're, we've ignored the truth of the gospel we don't want to look at our lives because it's a mess it doesn't look like you in that place Lord I pray your spirit would start to work and to heal and to draw us towards you and Father my prayer for myself and the people gathered here today is on the day that we stand before the righteous king, on the day we stand before the one who came to die for the sins of the whole world, on that day I pray, Lord, that we would be staying there as people who know you, who wouldn't have to look for the stuff we did because we know you. Give you praise and glory for that relationship today that you're making happen in our lives. So, Father, today we give you this time of response for your glory and for your kingdom and for your purposes. We do these things because Jesus said, this is what life looks like in me. We pray these things in his name. Amen.